We want to talk in this session about where we're going as Christ Central Churches, what God's speaking to us about, and the sense of momentum that God's giving to us, and the sense of going. Uh, that's come across very powerfully this last few days as we've gathered. God's been speaking to us about that. His kingdom coming with power. There's this sense of this invasion force that's coming in. It's interesting in my own daily reading. I've actually done something new this time. I've actually been going through uh, the New Testament with N.T. Wright, uh, Tom, Tommy, uh, my friend Tommy. And uh, it's been fascinating, actually. And just the first, just reading, I've, just, I'm, I've done Matthew, I've now done Mark, and I'm just going to go through the whole New Testament uh, this year with him in the Everyday series, which I kind of thought were, like, basic. I thought, they're, they're like, you know. But they're actually quite inspired. And uh, they're really quite helpful. And he tells this story of when he was a nipper, when he was a kid, a bit of a naughty child, I gather. And they would ring up people, and they would get them on the telephone, and they would say, are you on the line? And they go, yes, I'm on the line. He goes, get off, there's a train coming. <laughs> Different kind of line. And he says, the kingdom of God is like that. He said, it's like Jesus says, there's a train coming. Get off the line or get on the train or get lined up with it. Something's happening. There's momentum. There's power. There's authority. Something is invading. Heaven is invading earth. The kingdom of God is coming with power. And God started to speak to us about that. And he's been speaking to me, uh, kind of embarrassingly, kind of Ginny came to me about 18 months ago with a headline from a nameless newspaper, uh, Daily Mail. And uh, <coughs> it's, the headline was this, she showed it to me, and I don't actually think it was about me, but you never know. It said, Jeremy's journey is about to begin. Could have been another Jeremy, I don't know. You know, it could have been another Jeremy 18 months ago. But Ginny kind of felt, no, there's something about a journey. There's something about a movement. There's something about momentum. I'm not, that's a different momentum, by the way. There's something, there's something about a stirring that's happening with us that God's doing in us and God's doing in us together, corporately. And to be honest, I thought, oh, blow. <laughs> it's like, I like things as they are. I'm quite neat and tidy, generally. I, I, my side of the bedroom is always neat and tidy. <laughs> Seriously. And I look at Anne's side of the bedroom, it's like some nuclear bomb has gone off. There's clothes everywhere, there's shoes everywhere, there's stuff everywhere. I'm all neat and tidy. I make my side of the bed nice. It's all nice and neat. And I, I like things in order. My, my, my diary's in order. My life's in My books are in order. My, I just like order. I, I even like order in medicine. So if you're taking a bit of... I like to line it up. And I like if you know, those, those bits of medicine. I like to clip off the bits of foil where you've, you've pressed out the medicines already because it's untidy. I like things tidy. I like them orderly. I like them lined up. That's, Anne, says, Anne says I have OCD. Uh, and probably some of you in the medical world will be nodding right now. But I just like... I'm, I'm an orderly sort of person. I like things in order. And when God starts to mess with that, it's actually rather annoying. And I think continuity is king. Like, if it's the same yesterday, today, and forever, that's kind of a good thing. A routine is good. In fact, even my hairdresser uh, can tell me where I'm going next. Seriously. She'll, I'll, she'll be cutting my hair and she'll say, oh, you'll be off to Canada next then. Say, yeah, that's right. Cut my hair. You'll be off to Africa next then. Oh, yeah, that's right. She gets it right every time because there's a sense of order that, and God is disrupting that. And God is doing something in us, Anne and I, 
I think he's doing something in us and kind of disrupting our nice, predictable order and doing something of his invasion and his coming to us. That's meant that we've had to change our diary. It meant last year we, had to, we spent three months in Canada on the back of that prophetic word, whereas I'd have just spent a couple of weeks. It's like, oh, it's a change. We've gone to new nations. Last year we went to Ghana as a new nation. This year we're going to Ghana again. Somebody else told me there's another nation we need to be going to in the next few months as well. And there's a sense of which things are changing. Things are being rearranged. In the prophetic word it said this, there's a new way of doing things that's going to come to you. God is going to break the repetition. Oh, but he is. And he's disorganizing me in order to bring his organization. I felt God speak to us and speak to me and say, it's actually ch- time to change your wineskins. Now, it's interesting. Wineskin, the structure that kind of holds the wine, we've had the same structure in Christ Central Churches and North before that, the North team, for about 10 years. And what's interesting, Bryn, is that structures tend to last about 10 years, don't they? You know, things like Downs Bible Week, 10 years. Stonely Bible Week, 10 years. North Bible Weekend, (laughs) we used to call it Bible Weekend in those days, 10 years. And there's something about a 10-year period that God seems to disrupt and seems to come again and say, look, I want new wineskin. I want something new for this season. And I feel God saying that there's a change coming. Now, to be honest with you, if I'm really honest, Anne and I said, well, maybe that's, we've got to change, as in we've got to move out of the way. Maybe that's the kind of change. Maybe we've led this team now, this North team now called the Christ Central team for 10 years. Maybe, you know, that's good for any prime minister. You know, even the greats only usually last about 10, or if you're really great, 11 years. You can work that out. <coughs> I didn't say any name. And I thought, maybe our time's over. Maybe that's it. We've done our, our bit. And maybe we need to make way for some younger team to lead. And perhaps we fade into the background and do that. And that's always good to ask those kind of questions, I think. It, it, is that time to step aside? And I felt God say no, actually. You, you might be disappointed about that. But <laughs> I think you were just ready to cheer. He's about to announce his retirement. I felt God say there's another 10-year season for you to run. There's another 10 years in you to run. And that's interesting, just in terms of years, because you think 10 years' time, that's 2029. I thought a vision for 2029 doesn't sound very exciting. Andy was telling me the same, actually, last night. He said they've decided they're going to go for a 2030 vision, because 2029 vision doesn't sound very... And I said, Andy, that's amazing. I've put exactly the same in my notes. So our vision is for 2030, for running for another 10 years. Interesting enough, in that year, I'll be 67, And obviously, that's the age when you can draw your pension. You don't have to retire from ministry, but you can retire from being paid. Hallelujah. And uh, you can release others to do that. And I just feel God saying, it's time for a new wine skin for this 10 years. Now, it's interesting, Chris Frost looking at me there. He said, well, it's interesting then, Jeremy, if you've done 10 years leading this thing and you're about to do another 10 years, this is really like a sort of half-time team talk, isn't it? It's really, uh, I said, what's that all about? Because I don't understand teams and football and all this stuff. But he explained it to me. And he said, it's really about like a, it's a half-time team talk. It's about like, well, we've done well in this. Now we need to do this. And it's interesting because I think we have done well. I think we've played really well. I think we're ahead of the game. 
I think we've scored some goals. I think we're doing well. The danger with that is you can get complacent. I mean, actually, I started to look at what we've done. Steve mentioned it. Steve heard. You know, we're planting more churches than any other sphere in the UK. That's just true. When you look at the list, and I had the list at home, in fact, we're planting about half of the churches that are being planted in the United Kingdom. And there's another six or seven spheres planting the rest. That's, that's wonderful. But we're stretched on very limited resources. I thought Andy prophesied into that this morning, and I was responding very much to that. We've developed some amazing training courses. I think Martin and the training team have done incredibly well. Leadership training, the into the word, impact, the whole thing he's now developing with the life and teaching of Jesus. These things are going all the way around Ghana, Kenya, the, Canada. These ch- places are taking up these amazing training courses that God's helped us to develop. We've pioneered incredible works amongst the poor. A few years ago, Peter Linden, who was with us in Manchester, who's now part of the Jubilee Plus team that actually was birthed out of who we are together as the North, Martin and Pete and Sue. And it was very much Graham Anne's, very much birthed out of who we are. It's now gone national. It's no longer just representing us. It's representing even not just the family of New Frontiers. It represents what God's doing across the nation in terms of social action. But when we did a survey, Pete found that there was at least six works amongst the poor in, in our churches on average. Six in each church. Amazing. I mean, I can remember a day at Stonely when Nigel Ring stood up on the platform, early days of Stonely, and said, we've got six across the movement. Now we've got six in most of our churches. That's remarkable. I mean, it's incredible. The kingdom of God is being worked out and manifest. We're hosting great, I think, pretty good events. Hopefully this leadership event you felt was good. You're here. You paid your money. You're here. I'm preaching to the choir. But also things like devoted, things like our lead weekend for younger leaders, things like pursuing his presence. I think we've developed some great training, some great events, some great courses, um, some great sense of inspiring and helping younger guys and girls to step up into things. I think we've initiated some very strong partnerships across the world. So, you know, that's just, that's pointed out by Lee just being here, saying, look, I just want to be with you. I'm going to fly out my own expense. I'm just going to come and be with you for a weekend. Why? Because we're in partnership together. Andy being hung up from Horsham, the guys from Africa partnering with Joseph, partnering with Joe Crummy in Canada. I think God's done, I mean, it's an amazing t- last 10 years. God's done some great things. We were probably only 20 or 30 churches 10 years ago. Now in the Christ central world, there's over 100 churches, and we're partnering with another 100 through our partnerships through Joseph. It's incredible. A couple of hundred churches we're partnering with. It's just remarkable what God's done in 10 years. What does he want to do in the next 10 years? And I think the biggest danger for us is complacency. The biggest danger for us is kind of look, we've got some momentum. We've got some movement. We could just coast. And do you know what? Nobody would notice for a few years. Because it would all, the machinery would just carry on. It would all look good. The training course would carry on. The church planting would carry it would just, But actually, we'd lose breakthrough. We'd lose what God wants us to be. He's called us through that prophetic word this morning as his inheritance in the nation to change the face of Christianity, to help bring the kingdom to come in this nation. And I don't think we'd achieve that if we just coasted, if we just kept the thing going. So I think it's time for new wineskins. Now, let me just say, there's nothing wrong with the wine. It's not like, oh, the wine's bad. No, the wine, because the wine is good, 
because the wine is bubbling, because the wine is effervescent, because the wine is very exciting, because the wine is being put, we need some new wineskins. We need some new containers. We need something to contain what God's doing and to be able to pour it out and to serve a nation with what God's doing amongst us. I mean, God's doing some remarkable things. We keep hearing stories. Some of you have heard me tell some of these stories before, but we keep hearing stories from devoted a couple of weeks ago, I was up in Cockermouth with Roger and Cheron. I met Lucy, and Lucy's a, a remarkable young lady who for years has been crippled with ME and unable to go out, sometimes unable to get out of bed. At devoted, she responds to the word on David and Goliath. She gets prayed for. She goes back home, and she says, I'm going to enroll on leadership training. And her husband goes, are you sure? You can't normally get out of bed. You want to travel all the way down from Cockermouth to Sheffield on Leeds? Yeah, I'm going to do it. So she goes down Thursday and Friday. She's absolutely fine. She goes back and she says, now, Saturday, normally she'd be shattered after just a day in Cockermouth. She's had two days in Sheffield, getting up really early, staying up late. She says, I'm going to do Helvellyn. Going to do one of the big hills, one of the big peaks in, uh, in, in Cumbria. I'm going to do it. And she does it and she's fine. She's totally healed, totally released from that. Now, just before Christmas, we were in... Uh, we were in Crewe and uh, helping the church plant there in Crewe, which is being planted out of Chester. And we met a young lady called Demi, and she's given me her permission, as Lucy has, to tell her story. And she said, "Just she said, I'm Demi, I want to say hi to you. I said, oh, hi, Demi, I don't think I know you. She said, well, at Devoted, this is becoming a current theme now, at Devoted, remember when you preached on David and Goliath, and she, I responded because you went for mental health issues. And I can remember the battle, Ginny will remember the battle that I had in my own heart, with but like, should I even go for this? Should I even say mental health issues? Like, surely I should say, go and see a counsellor for that. If you've got a broken leg, God can heal you. But if you've got a broken mind, you can't. You know, that's counsellors do that. You know, we, we don't want to mess with that. No, actually, I felt to go for it. I felt no. God can heal the broken leg and the broken mind. And God can lift things off people. And she responded to that. She was actually quite backslidden at the time, to be honest. She said, living with a non-Christian guy, had a baby with him, and she was brought along. And she heard that God could do this. Now, she said, you've got to understand, I've had 10 years, interestingly enough, of severe mental health issues. I was severely sexually abused as a child. And for 10 years, I've been under doctors, pills, potions. I've been under all sorts of therapy and counselling. And this, she's speaking to me, by the way, in November, December time. And this is referencing back to what happened in August. She said, I responded to that. She said, somebody called Ginny prayed for me. And she said, it's like the thing totally lifted off me. The depression, total, what pills, potions, doctors and counselling, I don't despise those, we honour those, God works through those. But actually, she said, what they couldn't do, God did in a moment and totally lifted it off me. And she said, what's most, from? and I said, that's remarkable. She said, no, that's not the best bit of the story. She said, I went home talked to my non-Christian guy, Dan, is his name, I met him, and she, he was so amazed that a living God could do this, he came to church the next Sunday and gets saved. Now, that's amazing. We can applaud the Lord, it's good. Last, last month, they get married. Uh, in January, they got married, and it's like the kingdom of God has come. So, so there's nothing wrong with the wine, folks. The wine's good. It's just actually our structures have been a little bit creaking at the edges. What it felt like, I tell you, those of us who are on the core team, it's like everything kind of came into the core team. And so our agendas used to be like about six points, and they became like 60 points. And it's like, we've got this to get through and this to get through. And then at the same time, we're supposed to be vulnerable and accountable and open. And let's do that in five minutes, then move on to the agenda. No, you can't do that. You can't. And it was like, the, instead of vivid, bright, 
red, crimson red, church planting passion. It was like washed out pink. You know, it was like it just got diluted by that. I, when I was a child, I used to play with plasticine. Anyone old enough to remember plastic or plasticine, as you probably call it, plasticine if you're posh. Plasticine, plasticine from north, plasticine from the south. And you remember at Christmas, you used to get it, it was vivid colours, wasn't it? Rainbow colours. It came in those strips, didn't it? Red and blue and, you know, it's it just amazing, these colours. But then after five or ten minutes with me playing with it as a child, it wasn't red and blue, it was just brown gunk and then you threw it away and I don't want our teams to become like that and we'll talk a little bit more about how we're going to change things to make them more vivid there's nothing wrong with the wine but we need a new wine skin skin that helps us to do what we want to do we want to strengthen our existing churches we want to see you strengthened we want to see we want to come alongside you as apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers to strengthen what you're doing we want to see dozens and dozens and dozens of new churches planted. It's wonderful with our 2020 initiative. We've done well with that. But we want to see more. And actually, by the way, we want to see more in the United Kingdom and Europe. Amen. I'm careful of my language there because it's been like this in Christ Central. It's okay to plant in Cambodia, but you couldn't plant in Cambridge. Because Cambodia is the ends of the earth. Cambridge is, well, that's south. Somebody else is territory. No, actually, if it's okay to plant in Cambodia, it's okay to plant in Cambridge. Actually, the whole of the world should be ours to plant in, as it should be every sphere of New Frontiers to do. And some of the spheres are coming to plant in, in the north. We welcome that. We're welcome to plant in the south. And anywhere in the UK, the whole thing needs to be opened up to us. Europe needs to be opened up to us. And we need to get a passion. We're still in Europe. We're legally still in it for a few days' time. But, you know, we're st that's a political thing. Actually, we're still part of Europe. Europe. We're still European. Europe is still ours. And Europe is a territory that God wants us to go into. We need to develop and release more Ephesians 4 ministries. We'll come on to that in a moment. And the real priority for us should be to engage every Christian to bring the kingdom of God into their life. And we've talked a lot about this, but we need to talk a lot more. You know, we talk about the pinnacle of leadership as if it's eldership. And then, you know, we have Daryl here who is a head teacher in a school. And, you know, she's really lucky because she's married to a guy as an elder. You know, she, that's, that's, you know that, that, that's how we view things if we're not careful. Actually, what Daryl's doing in terms of the kingdom of God coming into Salford and coming into her school and touching real lives and real areas of poverty and difficulty, that's what we should be doing. We should be empowering all our people. We should be turning the whole thing. David Carr's absolutely right. You know, the kingdom and the church work together. They're separate. They're different. But actually, God has called us. What struck me as I've read through N.T. Wright is Jesus didn't preach the church. He said, I'll build my church. He preached the kingdom. He preached God's power and authority coming in life, coming amongst us. And we've got to change. We've got to have some wineskins to change all that. So I've been challenged by the team to say, what sort of values? What, if we're going to change this thing, how is it going to work? Well, I've come back to a few basics. This is the basic I've come back to. Flip chart, yeah. <laughs> but and by the way... David Carr isn't the only one who's dyslexic. <laughs> I am totally dyslexic. So, we're friends. 
And do you know what? That must be our first value. It's our first distinctive when we talk about our distinctives, you know, friends, church, kingdom, nations. But actually, we're friends. And actually, we shouldn't lose that. We're friends first. We shouldn't lose that as our first distinctive. If we're going to have a new wineskin, it must be a wineskin that enables friendship. It must be us working together as friends. Jesus said, yes, he came as a servant, and we're to serve like him. But he actually said, I don't call you servants. See, servant isn't your standing before God. Serving is what you do. We serve. But serving isn't our standing. Our standing is friends and sons, actually, and daughters. It's a relationship. It's friendship with God. Jesus said, I call you friends. Again, I've been struck as I've been reading through Mark with NT. Right. Mark 3, 13. Jesus, he said it this. And kind of this phrase really caught me. Jesus called to himself those he wanted. He wanted friends. He wanted you. He called you. He chose you. He wants you as a friend. And we can get this vision of a glorious Jesus who's somehow remote from us. We need to get a vision of a glorious Jesus who is intimate with us. A glorious Jesus who is with us. A glorious Jesus shining with radiance and power and authority and yet who reaches out and says, friend. We're welcomed as the friends of God. Now, this is all about grace. It's friendship with God. It's not earned. He chose us, not because of anything lovely in us, but because he wanted us. He chose us because he loved us. He loved us because he loved us. And he chose us to be with him. It's grace. And if New Frontiers have been known for anything over the years, it's been known for the grace of God. And this is totally manifested, totally outworked, totally shown in friendship together. I've called you friends, called to share the intimacy. So I've called you friends for everything I learned from my father, I've made known to you. It's, it's this sense of what I've got with my father through my friendship and my introduction, I'm going to share that with you. You're going to have the same relationship with the father that I've had. You're going to be his sons, his daughters, because you're in the son. You're in the beloved. You're going to be friends with God. And folks, that's what friendship means. Now, we're on a mission, but we're on a mission because we're friends on a mission. And we must never, ever lose that distinctive. I've, I've said before earlier, I'm so delighted. Andy and Hazel just come out of friendship. They're not even sp- speaking. Not, there's no expenses. There's no like, boy, you mean you just want to be with us? Yeah, we're friends. Friends just want to be together. Lee, Miguel, and, and his brother-in-law. Because they come all the way over the world just to be with us. Why? Out of friendship. Dear, dear God, this, this must be our first distinctive. It must be what stirs us. And actually, I think it's incredibly missional, actually. I think it's incredibly going to speak to a world. Because Jesus said this, By this shall all men know that you're my disciples, if you love one another, if you're friends. So actually, we squabble, they don't think we're his disciples. We love one another, we're friends. Yeah, we're his disciples. It's incredible. The world is crying out for that kind of relationship. The world is crying out for that. We are friends. Secondly, this word. Family. See, this is what, they say you can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. Your family is what you're born into. But actually, we're born into a family. We're born into this family called New Frontiers. We've been born into this section of the family called Christ Central. We are family together. See, that's, if you look at the language in the New Testament, it's not the language of companies 
or management structures that we see in the world. Now, we can learn from those things. Actually, to be honest, those things have truly learned from us. They've truly learned from the Bible, and they're learning more and more from the Bible, if the truth be known. But actually, this is what the language is used. Evangelism is not recruitment or signing up. It's new birth. You're born into this thing. It's the language of sonship and daughtership. The relationships are not colleagues and co-workers. You're not my colleagues. You're not my co-workers, as if we're in some company together. No, the language in the New Testament is households, siblings, brothers, sisters together. The discipleship, the training, the learning that we're doing is not the orientation course or the training course. No, discipleship is out of relationship. It's parenting. It's relationship together. The governance of this is not management structures but mothers and fathers in the house of God. And the church is not an organisation. It's a family on a mission. It's an organism. It's a family on a mission. Dear friends, if we're going to have new wineskins, family needs to be at the heart of it. We need to be family together. The third one, and this is where I feel God's speaking to us quite a lot about. <laughs> This is my dyslexity. I T Y. Right. Fluidity. I think we're in danger of getting a little stuck. I think we're in danger of getting a little over-organized and something always coming back into the core team. Something always coming back. Like I said, we didn't get vibrant red in our church planting passion and agenda. We got kind of like a washed down pink. And actually, I think God's wanting to be, a, he wanted some fluidity to come back so we can release some things. And we need to, Ginny's word was this, we need to break some of the repetition. We need to be a lot more fluid in what we're doing. Tim Keller says this, the church is an organized organism. We're organic before we're structured. Now, structure is not wrong. It's not wrong to have organisation, but it's an organisation of an organism. It's a relational thing. It's fluidity together. And we've, I feel God speaking to us, saying, actually, as New Frontiers, we've always been prophetically led. We've always been spirit-led. We've always been led by the Spirit. Don't stop now. Don't stop and just be organisational. A new wineskin, whatever you do, however you build this thing, however you structure it, it's got to have fluidity. It's got to have momentum. It's got to have mobility. It's got to have a sense of going. It's got to have that sense. Ginny's word was about a particular place in Derbyshire, which she's now taken us to uh, last summer. It's a, it's a particular place um, in the peaks called the, what's it called, Ginny? The Shivering Mountain. The Shivering Mountain, because it actually moves, it shivers. They tried to build a road up it, and actually the road was very good and very stable until they built it on the shiver Shivering Mountain, because it just destroyed the whole road, because the whole mountain moves. And this sense, there's a fluidity in what we're doing. It's not, it's not like there's no well-worn path. It's not structured. It's not organised to death. Actually, there's mobility in the whole thing. It's fluid. And I think God's talking. So somebody keep, people keep saying to me, Jeremy... Where is your apostolic team? And I say, wrong question. Because actually we're all caught up in apostolic mission together. And the apostolic team in the New Testament, I don't think if you said, where's Paul's apostolic team? It's really hard to find because it keeps changing. 
And actually, if you've read through uh, Paul, a biography by N.T. Wright, then actually you're kind of, it, the whole thing keeps shifting, it keeps changing. So we're with this people now, oh, no, we're on this journey now, oh, no, now this is this lady on our team, now there's this couple on our team, now there's this person, and the whole thing keeps moving. And the dangers, I think, in New Frontiers, we've talked about a fixed pattern. This is the, the, new, this is the apostolic team. That's not New Testament. And I think we must have much more fluidity together. We must look for new ways for apostles to work together. We must look for new ways of Ephesians 4 working together. We must sense that. Now, I'm going to, those are the three I've done. Anne's going to come and do one. Are you going to write it on there? Okay. In Hebrews 11, we have that comprehensive list of the heroes of our faith. And their stories are amazing. I think we look at them and think, gosh, I don't think I could have coped with some of the challenges God set before them. But I know across this room, many of us have faith stories, and they were challenges that we faced, and God took us through them. But I just wonder, I think I was saying this earlier, have we become too comfortable and too safe? And as leaders, are we encouraging the people in our church to be risk-takers? Are we challenging them to step out in life today? Last year at this event, we had Jared Cooper speaking, and he said this. Pause while David goes back, because I have a visual. When things get comfortable, do something exciting. Tie yourself to the bowsprit and don't hide in the bunk. I said, Roger's our sailing geek, and... Um, I said, how do you explain that? And I said, the best thing was to put photos up about it. It is the long pole at the front of the ship. And what Jared went on to say from that, it's the same journey, but a different experience. So hiding in the bunk or in the captain's cabin, you're not getting the thrill and the excitement as if you're tied to the bowsprit at the front of the ship. And if you think of a storm, and if you're tied to the front, you are getting the full experience of the storm. He goes on to say, it's the same journey, but a different experience. Leaning in or leaning back, tying ourselves to the bowsprit, makes the journey much more exciting and risky, rather than hiding in the bunk. Which way are we leaning? How we position ourselves makes all the difference to the journey. Many of you know Jeremy and I have many faith stories. 30 years ago, I gave up being a senior teacher, earning double Jeremy's salary, with interest rates from 12 to 18%. A good one when you got a £38,000 mortgage and we were on £9,000 salary. We were in faith, though, that God had spoken and we were sure of his provision. We were prepared to lean in. And 20 years ago, we were called to the Northeast. And again, we knew through various encouragements, prophetic encouragements, that this was what God had called us to do. It was quite a lonely time, as there were very few New Frontiers churches in the Northeast of England. Many friends ridiculed us for moving to the industrial Northeast of Teesside leaving comfortable Eastbourne. But as you know, God blessed us, and we saw many people saved in the time that we were there. A few weeks later, Steve and Ruth heard, as he mentioned earlier, they moved to York. They were pioneers. 
we were pioneering something new for new frontiers in the north of the UK. Abraham and Sarah were pioneers of their time, and I think many of us would identify with them. At Devoted last year, Lee spoke brilliantly about being called on an adventure like Abraham and Sarah, living in tents, being mobile. That's a difficult one for sometimes us in our comfortable UK, being mobile, not too fixed, not too comfortable, not settling for where we are at. In Genesis 12, God said to Abraham and Sarah, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. The commentary in the life application says this. Abraham obeyed, walking away from his home and friends for God's promise of even greater blessings in the future. God may be leading you to a place of greater service and usefulness for him. So don't let the comfort and security, don't let the comfort and security of your present position make you miss God's plan for you. Mm. I smile at that because I hear so often, we've just moved house. What school will the kids go to? And all those pleas, and they are heartfelt. But when God speaks, they are not top of the agenda. It's what is God saying to us? Where does he want us? Mm. Then nine years ago, we moved from Teesside to Manchester. Again, we can look back at God's faithfulness in our preparedness to move and daring to lean forward in faith, to be mobile, leaving a wonderful, thriving church and our dream home in the beautiful countryside of North Yorkshire. There are sacrifices, leaving friends, leaving family, moving from one part of the country to another or to different nations, learning a new language, financial sacrifices, and the list goes on. There's an equation that many of you have heard me quote, sacrifice plus obedience equals blessing. Abraham and Sarah made the sacrifice and were obedient, and God blessed them. Our current church planters in this room will identify with Abraham and Sarah. Church planting is costly. It is costly. It's costly personally, financially. It is costly. It's risky. It's challenging. And it t at times, it can seem like we failed. But when God has spoken, we have to rely on his timing. It's his way, not ours. It's how we position ourselves in faith that matters. Are we leaning forward? So we've got to have some new wineskins that enable friendship, family, fluidity. Uh, that's easy, easy for me to say. Fluidity and faith. And the last one in this is freedom. And those of you who are sharp will notice that they all begin with F. And that was just uh, one of those things that happened when I was preparing this. So <laughs> I just threw it in the fire and it came out a golden calf. You know, it just happened. Um, well crafted.
freedom. The whole thing needs mobility. The whole thing was locked up and the whole thing now needs to allow Ephesians 4 ministries, apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers to function in teams and in working together. How are we going to do that? Well, it's interesting, Andy Woodward, who is uh, um, a really good friend of ours, got a real passion for the North, lives in the South at the, at the moment, but who knows where God might lead him to in the future. But Andy was with us as a team and he prophesied that it was like a bicycle uh, we've inherited this bike that has 21 gears like you do in these sort of modern mountain bikes. Or bike, and he said, but you use it only using three gears. It's like you've just been using three gears. And God says, realize there are a whole load more gears on your bike. Realize that there's much more momentum. And if you use all the gears, you can go to different places. You can get to places that you'd never just get on the three gears that you've been using. So that kind of got me thinking a little bit about bicycle wheels, actually. It's got me thinking a little bit about how we structure something that's going to have some momentum. So how do we release new people? How do we release, as I said before, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers? How do we release more uh, men and women, young, old, experienced, inexperienced, those of different demography and social economic background, nationalities, employment? How do we do that? How do we release the younger and the older? Julian Adams gave us a prophetic word that in, in Christ Central, the young and the old will run together. So it's not the young, the old just passing the baton. It's interesting, David Carr said, have you got anything to comment on at lunchtime last, yesterday? And he said, it's interesting your team is young and old together. And uh, uh, from his perspective, from your perspective, you might think our, our team has got some uh, not very young people on it. But actually there are, there's some young and old working together. And that's deliberate. He said, is that, he said because many people these days are just sort of throwing the baton at the younger generation and say, you lead it. No, actually this is about wisdom and experience running together with innovation and, and freshness and the eyes of a modern person working together with the eyes of perhaps of a bit more experienced and wise person. Working together, it's not one or, it's both and in this race together. It's about seeing this whole thing working together and God giving us that. And I think that's actually been, if I'm honest, it's been one of my biggest regrets in New Frontiers that the older generation didn't run with us as a young, those days we were the younger generation, Lee, but you know, they didn't run with us. They kind of passed the baby to us and said, now it's your turn. Now, actually, I wish there'd been more of a running together. In our watch, there's going to be a running together. This next 10 years, we're going to be releasing more and more younger guys and girls and to run together. So how are we going to do this? Well, let me draw you another picture. I'm into my pictures today. And Anne might get my visual aid in a moment, but <coughs> I've been. She she said, "Do you want me to? F yeah, come on, come on." She said, "Do you want me to find this in the garage?" I said, "Actually, it's probably quite helpful to find it in the garage. It's off her old bike that we haven't used for years, which is probably a prophetic sign in itself." But <coughs> Andy was talking about this bike wheel. And he was talking about the whole thing. And I just started to think about it. And I just started to think about what are the components of a wheel that actually give it mobility. So you, first of all, get this spindle. It's, it's, not, it's not very exciting. It doesn't look that glamorous. This spindle in the very center of the whole thing. 
And actually at the very center of a new thing that God's doing amongst us, this new sense of mobility, there needs to be some structure. There needs to be a spindle. There needs to be something that it can turn on. There needs to be something that holds it together. There needs to be something that gives it governance, that gives it integrity, structure, integrity, that actually allows this momentum to come. And that's a team of Graham Anns, Graham Pyman and myself working together. We're going to call it the, the strategy team. Because it's like it's bringing some governance. It's working with our directors, and if you're a director here, we're, you're so welcome. Our directors have some of our directors have come this weekend, and working together to to give this thing structural integrity, to give this thing a sense of move. Now, it's, you don't. Nobody really notices the spindle. Nobody says, "Oh, that's a lovely spindle on your bike." Oh, it's beautiful. That you don't. I don't notice that. It's unseen. It's hidden. But the whole thing turns on it. The whole thing is mobilised by it. This weekend has been run by. By these guys working and us working behind the scenes. You haven't seen it, but this weekend wouldn't be here. The freedom and the, the, the fluidity and the whole sense of faith and family and friends that we've had this weekend wouldn't be here unless we'd had that spindle. So right in the heart of it, there's this sense of a strategy team. Then, it's not hugely large, and I'm pleased it's not hugely large. There's a hub. There's a hub here. And God is calling me to gather a hub team together. And it's a hub team that I think is primarily apostles and prophets working together. I think in the New Testament, it's very clear. It comes up three or four times, apostles and prophets, apostles and prophets. And in New Frontiers, we've separated apostles over there. You have your wisdom and planning and strategy and what and over some crazy prophets over here you can you can gather into your prophetic conferences and prophesy to the wind if you like but that's over there. and I think we've divorced it now God says apostles and prophets bring it together so in this team and this team by the way will be fluid flexible it will change this is not a fixed point I can tell you a fixed point now I can tell you right now on this Apostles and Prophets team is some younger and older working together. I'll let you decide who's younger and older in this. But right now it's Anne and I. Anne's on the team with me, very much in her own right as a prophetic person. Roger By, Ginny Bergen, Chris Frost, John Payne working together with Graham Pyman and Graham Anns. That's the hub team at the moment. That'll be flexible. People will come and go. People will join. People will be part of it. But of itself, it doesn't do anything other than hold some very important things together. What it holds together are these. It holds these spokes together. And actually, the genius of a bike is in its spokes. It's in that which holds the wheel together. That's what gives it integrity. That's actually what gives it strength. That's actually what's going to give it some mobility. And I think God's been speaking to me about allowing apostolic initiatives to flow out from the team. Yeah, they might be anchored in the team. They might be part in terms of things in the team, but they're not actually, they're not sitting in the team. They're apostolic initiatives. It's not a flower, by the way. Apostolic initiatives that are coming out from the team. 
And all right, I've only drawn half a dozen there, but as you can see on my bike wheel, or Anne's bike wheel, there are dozens of these things coming out. You can have so many of these spokes. You can have so many of these things coming out. We need to have church planting apostolic initiatives. We need to have care for the churches apostolic initiatives. We need to have evangelism and church growth apostolic initiatives. We need to have social action apostolic initiatives. We need to have training apostolic initiatives. We need to have governance and events apostolic initiatives. We need to have partnership apostolic initiatives. And we need to see more kingdom of God spreading out apostolic initiatives. Now, the thing is this. You guys can't necessarily be on the spindle because that's kind of a fixed point at the moment. Some of you might be on the hub, but actually all of you can be involved. All of you can be involved in these apostolic initiatives. In fact, I would ask and plead and encourage and exhort all of us to find an apostolic initiative that we as a ministry, as a leadership person, as our church can adopt. What are we passionate about? What are we, what do we feel God's called us into? Is it, an, and it might be multiple. It might be many of these. And actually, there might be, there's going to be business people on these. You know, it's great to have Miguel here as a businessman from Mexico. Actually, he's blessing us in Mexico, helping us in Mexico, strengthening us in Mexico. He's a businessman. And we need, you know, if you look in the New Testament, there was rich, I'm not saying he's rich, but there, are, there, are, there, are, there were wealthy Lydia's and Aquila's and Priscilla's and wealthy women who helped Jesus to do his ministry, to Paul, to do them his ministry. We've got to see business people. We've got to see people with social care and social action. And it's wonderful to hear David Carr's heart for chaplaincy. We need to see much more of those released into the kingdom of God. Church planting, you know, that is a true apostolic initiative. And it said our church planting agenda, I feel, got watered down to kind of sickly pink. Nothing wrong with pink, by the way, because it, it, it's okay if it's supposed to be pink. But if it's a washed out red, it just doesn't look right. And it was a washed out red. Actually, I want to give more vibrancy. I want to give more strength to our church plants. I want to see more and more of these apostolic initiatives working together. Now, that of itself needs a rim. Something to hold all that together. That is things that we do together as leaders. Things like Leaders Weekends, Lead Weekend that Chris and John have pioneered, our prayer days in Sheffield, things like gathering in regional gatherings together where we gather all of our leaders together. But that, of course, isn't the end of the story. The whole thing needs a tyre. Not very good tyre. At that, but there they are. And a tire is the things that our churches are doing together. That'll be things like our devoted events. It'll be things like churches working together, churches pioneering and penetrating into the community. It'll be things like our leadership training events where all, all anyone can come to our training events. It'll be things like reaching out to the poor. The whole thing, in the end, the whole thing needs a decent tire on it. And if you're not careful, in New Frontiers, we've looked at the spindle, we've looked at the centre, oh, apostolic teams. Now, the whole thing actually radiates out, so the tyre gets momentum. Now, this tyre, if you notice, it was interesting as Anne got up, she said, I can't, she said, I haven't, haven't pumped it up. I said, don't pump it up. It's fine. It's okay just like this. Because we mustn't have tyres that are like this. We mustn't have tyres that are floppy. We're actually, there's one last thing to say. 
There's one last F to say, and that's this. Filling. Actually, if this thing is going to have apostolic momentum, if this thing is going to have movement, if this thing is going to go somewhere, it cannot be by our organisation alone. It cannot be by our structure alone. We need the Holy Spirit to come and fill and empower and come and change us totally. It's interesting, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, those of you, you'll all know this, but those of you who study these things will know that the word ruach, is the same word for spirit and air and breath. In the New Testament, it's pneuma. Same word for spirit, air and breath. And we need spirit, air and breath to come in us to give this whole thing momentum. So yeah, I think God's giving us a new wineskin. Yeah, I think God's giving us something that actually will be fit for purpose for quite a few years. He's giving us something of structural integrity. He's giving us something that's centred. He's giving us something of a team that will work together, a hub team. But he's also giving us something where you can be involved. You and your church can plug in to these apostolic initiatives. You can plug into church planting. You can plug into ministry amongst the poor and the kingdom of God coming. You can plug into church growth and see the kingdom of God coming. You can plug into these things. So the question is, how are you getting caught up in apostolic mission? The apostolic mission is not something the apostolic team does, because there isn't such a thing. Apostolic mission is something we all do together. We're all caught up on apostolic mission. We're all caught up on this momentum. Now, I haven't used much Bible. We haven't talked a lot about Jesus. But all this is Bible. All this is about Jesus. All this is about being Christ-central. All this is about taking the message of Jesus to the world. It's momentum, it's mobility, it's this sense. Now, we haven't got time. There's other things I wanted to talk about. There's other things I feel God's shown me and given me some revelation about how we work, some of the values, how we work that out. But right now, I want, I want you to understand that we are on a journey. I want you to understand that we are freshly looking at these things. I want you to understand that as a movement, we're not caught up in the past. We honour the past, but we're propelled into the future with some new structures, some new wineskins that I think are fit for purpose for the next 10 years. So I just want us to pray as we end. And normally you kind of pray and commission and lay hands. We've done a lot of that. We've had a lot of receiving of the Spirit. I wonder if we could just all stand. And I wonder, Roger, if you just come and pray for us, Lunch is in, a f in five minutes, but we've just got time just to kind of bring this together, uh, just to have a sense of God's hand on us. And my question to you is, where do you fit in? Where's your part in this apostolic mission? Where do you find your ministry, your part to play? Because God is calling all of us to work together. We can do more together. Than we can apart. Um, just um, prophetic, uh, kind of summing up, I, I felt actually that interpretation that Chris brought this morning was incredibly powerful. It, it, sometimes it's, it's strange, isn't it? Because I can step down the tongue and kind of, you know, and then Chris brought it. And I thought, yeah, 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 yeah. It was just like so kind of on the button. And I felt that there was a, a really inspired word that he ended up with, which was gorge. 
but we're, we're to gorge ourselves and the whole thing about you know Jesus being the bread of life and and I just it just landed something I felt it's an unusual word it's a very impolite word it's a word that we're not trained in you know it kind of as children we were not trained to gorge ourselves in fact we were trained in manners and politeness and so it's a little bit countercultural it's a bit counter training but I believe that actually God's speaking it very, very clearly. We're to really gorge ourselves on that. And I just kind of thought, there's going to be a verse in the Bible somewhere. And just thought of that story in Samaria when it was under siege in Elisha's time. And the lepers went out and they found this camp of the enemy that was just left. And basically, these lepers just gorged themselves on bread, on wine, on food. They just gorged themselves, as lepers would. And I just feel that God wants us to be a people who break through our politeness, our manners, our cultural hindrances, to be a people who gorge themselves in the presence of God. But the story then goes on to say that actually they kind of said, hey, we're having fun. Let's share it with others. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go and tell others. And I felt our prophetic time this morning ended with Ginny bringing that remarkable word about an unprecedented God and unprecedented opportunities. This was an unprecedented opportunity as lepers stumbled into a camp and really, they could go wild. And I believe God's saying that there's an unprecedented going. That we're really to go in the spirit. And I believe there's two words, gorge and go. Gorge and go. Gorge and go. And I think everything that Jeremy's brought to us, we need to kind of wrap it around by the prophetic. God's saying, Gorge yourselves on the presence of God. Let's go. Let's really hear this invitation. But then let's go with it. Let's go convinced we are in these days of unprecedented opportunity. Unprecedented opportunities. We just share the goodness. So in that, let's pray. Let's just stand. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Lord Jesus just want to thank you, Lord. <laughs> Lord, you've been so very, very good to us this weekend. Lord, we just thank you for the fun. Just thank you for being around tables together. Thank you for friendship. Thank you for what you've done and that. Thank you for new friends we've made, old friends just strengthened. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for the gift of Dave Carr amongst us, all the provocation all the stirring, all the things we're taking away with us. Thank you, some of us will launch chaplaincy initiatives. Others of us will launch other things. Somehow you're going to do stuff that we know. There'll be stuff that will happen because of this weekend. Father, we thank you for what you're calling us to, this journey together. Thank you for this journey, this Abraham and Sarah journey you call us on. And all we come. I thank you at the beginning of it. You say, feast on me. Yeah. 
launch ourselves on you. God, I pray, teach us. Holy Spirit, teach us. Thank you we've tasted of you and we've found you to be good. Jesus, we love, we love it. We love it. And Lord, I pray just as leaders, just as we go literally into our separate places here in the UK, back to Mexico, back to Canada, back to Sweden, Lord, whatever nation we represent, God, I ask you, let us feed on you. Let us gorge on you. In these days of real scarcity, where much of is under siege, let us feed on you. And then let us go. Lord, release us with fresh faith. Lord, to this word faith, we say faith in an unprecedented God who does unprecedented things in these unprecedented days. We believe it, Lord. We believe we're here for such a time as this. We believe that this whole thrust in the change of structure and just ways of working is not to just do something new. It's because of days we live in to see the very breakthrough of God. Churches planted, churches established, people saved, people healed, the gospel of the kingdom of God coming in an unprecedented way. Lord, would you do it? Would you do it, Lord? Do it, Lord. Come, Lord, we go. Come, Lord. Let's gorge and go. As friends on a mission together. Jesus has come.